0: and welcome to the best of On Her Turf at the Olympics. As these Tokyo Olympics come to an end, we wanna share some of our highlights from the past couple weeks. We'll revisit a conversation
1: we had about the burden
0: on black women in sport and life. We will get to know Pepper Persley, a 10-year-old reporter who is known for her thoughtful, insightful, and in-depth reporting on the WNBA. But first, earlier this week, we sat
1: down with swimmer Simone Manuel, who shared how much pride she felt in her performance.
0: This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit.
1: Before we say goodbye, we want to show you some of our highlights from the past couple weeks. That includes this interview with swimmer Simone Manuel, where she shared how much pride she felt in her performance.
2: I'm proud of the work that I put in, but I do think that sometimes the outside world sees athletes maybe fail or not succeed and um, they think that they didn't try or that they shouldn't be proud of the work they put in. And I know that I'm not the only athlete who's had a bad day or who has had a bad competition. And I hope that sharing that I'm proud of myself, regardless of the results, um, inspires others to feel proud of themselves, even when they fall short of goals that they have for themselves.
1: It feels like that narrative
2: is even louder, you know, at these games. Do you feel that way also? Absolutely. I mean, this year was tough. I think the past five years was tough for everybody, but I think dealing with COVID um, from an athlete's perspective was something that was really difficult for all of us mentally and physically, you know, being away from family, trying to find ways to train during this time. So uh, I know that results may have not been perfect for a lot of us. Um, and that's not an excuse on, on, you know, what COVID has brought to us. But I know that um, we should be proud of ourselves, regardless of the results, whether they're good or they're bad. I know that we all work hard. Um, we're not trying to go out there to fail. So um, I think it's really important to remind ourselves that you know, you've put in the work and that you should always give yourself grace.
1: Yeah, and I think it's great to see athletes now talking about just the
0: pride and the work that goes into it, right? And Lolo, you've talked about it too, the whole pandemic and having to find ways to train. Absolutely, it shut... Everyone down, not only athletes, everyone down. And I think just like she said, being proud of the effort because that mm-hmm. gets lost in translation so much. It's so much emphasis at the Olympics on medals, especially gold. So when an athlete doesn't achieve that, it's like all of a sudden that's a failure. Are you kidding me? Even to get to the Olympics during a pandemic with five years, not four years, yeah. it's it's an incredible achievement. And so I love that you're being vocal about this and it, more athletes should be talking about this. Also, Simone, I,
1: I hadn't heard, I was telling Lolo, I had not heard of overtraining syndrome until you mentioned it at Olympic trials. Can you describe what it is and how that impacted you?
2: Yeah, so overtraining syndrome is essentially when your body has a hard time recovering from the work that you put in. And so um, I was doing hard practices, but my body wasn't recovering from it. And so I was having increased heart rate, a hard time sleeping, extremely sore muscles. Um, my body was changing. Um, my mood was changing. And so all of those changes contributed to kind of a lack of performance in the pool and so um it affected you know my mood how i trained um performing well in competitions and it's something that requires rest so i had to take three weeks off um in march and april to kind of you know rest my body and still try to train for you know the olympic games and so it really is a blessing that i even made it to olympic trials let alone made it this far and was able to be a part of a medal winning relay Simone,
0: have you had to change how you use your social media in order to prioritize your mental health?
2: Absolutely, I think for me, I think it's important to kind of show people authenticity. And so you have to be vulnerable with people on what you may be going through. I think it helps you through your experiences. You're not so lonely when you're going through it, but also I think it just gives people a space to know that, you know, we all struggle. Um, We all have, um, you know, things that we're struggling with. And so it just is a good way to show people what's going on in your life. On her turf at the Olympics, we'll be right back.
0: Often we speak about the next generation of athletes, but what about the next generation of sports journalists? Yes, there's a lot to uncover there. During week one, we were able to
1: get to know Pepper Pursley, a 10-year-old reporter who is known for her thoughtful, insightful, and in-depth reporting on the WNBA. You know what's awesome is you're
3: 10 years old, but you've been doing this for a minute. Already, how did you get started in the world of sports journalism? Um,
4: first of all, thank you so much for having me. And how I got started was really when I was six. Um, it's always been my dream to um play in the WNBA. Um, because I, I, as um I'm a journalist, but I also play a lot mm-hmm. of sports. Um. And my number one sport is basketball. So it's always just been what I love to do or one of the things I love to do. And so I was just genuinely curious about the WNBA help work, the players practice. And so um, I ended up having the opportunity to interview Sugar Rogers, who was then playing for the Liberty. And from then, um, I don't think at at six, I was thinking about, oh, I can't like really do this for my career and for a living, but. You know, now, and here I am.
1: (laughs) Wow. So what did you find out? What were the answers to your early questions that you found the most interesting?
4: Um, I think that I always ask for advice. And a lot of things that I get is have fun and work hard and try to find that balance of doing both. Because sometimes you can get carried away of almost pushing yourself too hard, but also knowing that it's always, it's a game and it's important to have fun as well. So I think (laughs) that's one of the big pieces of advice and answers that I get a lot. Wow.
3: I mean, Pepper, you are in these press conferences and for the record, those of you at home, if you don't know, it is very difficult to get credentials and to yeah. get this access. Uh, and she's in there with the best of them. You have earned this spot and this access already at 10 years old. What does that mean to you?
4: Um, I think it means the world that there's little girls and just kids in general, people in general, who can see me and see that, oh, so kids can do this as well. Kids can have a job and they can manage it and school and all the other things that they might do. And I think that, It's really important that people can understand that it's a possibility for kids not only to want to grow up to be something, but also Mm -hmm. to try to make change and make something happen while they're still a kid.
1: I saw that you said when someone asked you why you love the WNBA so much that you said because you're watching these ladies that look like you. We don't have the perspective and the chance to hear from the other side from kids your age about what that really means. So often we hear people say, oh, we want to be an example or role models. So what is that like to have that example? Tell us like for kids that are your age, you know, what does it mean to have that?
4: Um, I think it means the world because, like, it, you can see, it, you can be it. I think I wouldn't be able to imagine um, even being here without the incredible representation in sports media and in um, basketball and sports because it's really hard to imagine yourself being something, doing something without an example um, or a standard set. And I think that I've been really lucky to grow up where there um, – There's a lot of women's sports that I can watch and it's easier access, even though it's not quite enough yet. Um, And I think that um, I feel really lucky and fortunate to have the opportunity to grow up and to see these women the second I turn off, uh, turn on my TV, if that's what I want to do. So I feel very fortunate.
3: Just so you know, it, it, it works the other way, too, because I see myself in you like 10 year old MJ here trying not to make it. I'm blubbering full of myself in this moment, but you are very inspirational. I didn't have that at 10. So thank you for pursuing that.
0: On her turf at the Olympics, we'll be right back.
1: And welcome back. Lolo, before you join me, we had an important, very open conversation about the burden placed on black women, both in sport
0: and in life. And after Simone Biles withdrew from the team competition, our co-host for week one, MJ Acosta Ruiz, shared her thoughts. Taking a look
3: back at this Simone Biles tweet, she says quote, the outpouring of love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments and gymnastics, which I never truly believed before. See this one cuts deep because the sheer perception of the strong black woman is exhausting. It's draining to have to constantly compartmentalize all that you're carrying because the expectation and, well, the societal conditioning from eons ago is that Black women can handle it. Can you and should you are two very different conversations. Now, the bigger issue to me is that, quite frankly, many people don't care. So long as they're entertained or their bottom line isn't affected, the rest is inconsequential. But heaven forbid someone takes a moment to publicly say my well-being in its totality is important and vital. Period. Not because I'm an Olympian or a champion or a beacon of light for literally millions of people, but because Simone Biles, like so many other Black women, is viewed as an entity rather than a human being. The audacity of someone sitting on their couch, or behind a microphone, and thinking they have the slightest place to demean her is disgusting. As someone who has dealt with debilitating anxiety for many years, there are days when it takes every ounce of energy I have to show up and do my job, because that requires me to be on all the time. And yet, my literal neck is not on the line when I do so. For Simone Biles, it was a life-saving decision. For those who can't seem to understand this very basic concept, I really can't help you. And this whole price-of-entry trope is archaic and very harmful. Just because this is how it's always been doesn't mean the cycle of trauma has to continue. Simone Biles said, no more. Not today and never again.
1: MJ, thank you so much for saying that and for all those words. This topic warrants a lot of attention and perspective. So to add to this discussion, we want to welcome in now NBC Olympics basketball analyst Monica McNutt and gold medalist in shot put and NBC track and field analyst Michelle Carter. Thank you both so much for joining us and being a part of this conversation. What is your reaction to what MJ just said? Monica, I want to start with you.
5: Well, well said, MJ, Uh, and you nailed it. I think the simple part of this, even if you are someone who cannot or struggles with subscribing to the idea of mental health, literally what Simone Biles does are stunts are life-threatening stunts if she's not in her best state in order to perform those. So on a simple level, just being able to admire the sport, one should be be able to appreciate flying up in the air and needing to be in the right state of being and state of mind so that you can land uh, safely without injuring yourself. So that is one component of this, just on a very simple level. But secondly, there is so often not just the I am an elite Olympian. It is I am a black woman in a space where the numbers do not bear out many black women compete in Olympics. It is I am at age 24 representing so much more and a whole generation in many ways. And so to come pile all of those things together. One should have nothing but compassion for Simone. Maybe Michael Phelps can compare in terms of the elite level of success. Maybe Katie Ledecki, but both of them do not share the amount of melanin that is in her skin, and therefore they are presented with opportunities um, that give them privilege and grace. And so only Simone Biles truly knows the weight that is on her shoulders, and I think she made the absolute right call, and we should all admire her for it.
3: No question. I mean, and for Simone Biles, you can't deny that her image has been everywhere. You can't turn a corner, a TV or turn on a phone and not see her face and what's going on, even in the lead up to these games. Right. So the margin just coming in for her was basically non-existent. Yet the expectation was sky high. Michelle, how do we wrestle with the fact that our culture feels like these women belong to them?
6: Yeah, it's it's sad when you think about it that we are looked at as property or like something that, we are really not our own selves. Like we don't even belong to ourselves because we have to um, respond and answer to everybody else, cater to everyone else's needs before ours. And uh, that narrative needs to change because black women, we are strong, but we also need to be cared for. We also need to be seen as human. We make mistakes and we need that margin of error to make those mistakes as everyone else gets. And we don't, and so, um, I kind of was thinking about this earlier where everyone in life experienced the highs and the lows in life. You know what it feels like to experience a low. So if you're experiencing a low, imagine what the next person is experiencing at their low. What would you want someone to say to you at your low? And um, I try to take that approach with everyone that I come across and I wish that everyone would use that same approach when they approach anyone in life, especially black women.
1: Michelle, what are your thoughts in general about how MJ began this conversation and the words that she had to say? I think they were spot on because
6: it was so much pressure. And I think Simone was so brave to say, you know what? I need a moment. This is not about... You, them, the world, it's about me. And I need to do what's best for me because there's many times in life I knew I should have took a break and I should have paused to collect myself, but I pushed on anyways because I was holding everyone else's expectations but my own and uh, I paid the price for it. But for her to sit there and pause and say, you know what, I need a moment. I need to take care of myself. She was so brave to do that in that moment, especially during the Olympic games.
3: I think the fact that you can hold space for both pushing through adversity or an injury or something like that and coming out victorious or not, uh, but also being applauded for having the foresight and the wherewithal to know that this isn't okay. And the best thing for myself, for my team and everything in between is to step aside.
1: But there's so many other layers to this as well, Lindsay, right? There are, yeah. I mean, the financial part, that's a huge part of this conversation, too. How much pressure is there from sponsors to speak out about these issues or in how you speak about them? I mean, that's something that we were talking about a lot before the show is just the different amount of pressure in that form, even. Monica, what are your thoughts on that, on the financial part of all this?
5: Well, fortunately for Simone in particular, it seems that some of her sponsors have come out and backed her decision Letta, Visa being a couple that support what she's doing. But I think we are in a very unique place, Lindsay, MJ, and Michelle. These athletes, no more. They're not having it. They are fully going to acknowledge their entire being. And if it means that a sponsor is unhappy or if it means that I miss a competition, as we've seen with Naomi Osaka, that's okay. Because they have realized, as Simone said in the tweet that we started this conversation with, they have value outside of the sport in which they compete and oftentimes excel. And so I think as a society, this is an opportunity for us to grow. And yet again, the strong black woman is leading the way because anybody that thinks that this was an easy decision for Simone Biles is sadly mistaken. She's poured her heart and soul into this thing and she came in blossoming with so much confidence. Did she expect it to plan out this way? No, but again, she's showing us how to be a leader and how we move Mm -hmm. forward. And so I think it's important that we keep all the things in perspective. And ultimately, I keep coming back to the simple fact, this is not basketball, this is not swimming where there may be a lifeguard. I mean, the only thing that I could compare it to in terms of the potential danger may be boxing right but literally this could cause her major harm if she steps out on that uh, performance arena and cannot be her best self and so i think again this serves as a powerful moment in terms of our perspective on the entire being of our athletes
1: on her turf at the olympics we'll be right back Welcome back. This has been so much fun. And as these Tokyo Olympics come to a close, it's the strength of these athletes that shines brightest and their resolve to make sports more equitable. Lolo, I don't know about you, but over the past two weeks, we have had conversations about things I never thought I would talk about on TV.
0: I agree, Lindsay. Periods, uniforms, yeah, that was a lot, even for me. And I have been in the game for so long, three Olympics, and I didn't know some of these things. Well, we would love to, by the way, thank all the guests who came on, the ones who shared their knowledge, strength, also their vulnerability. And the conversation doesn't end here. Make sure to follow at On Her Turf and bookmark the On Her Turf blog. For Lolo, I'm Lindsay. Until next time. This podcast is presented by NordicTrack from iFit.